welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Awesome. Fantastic. You know, it's, there's, you get to know me. My wife and I, uh, we love relationships and we love... Uh, seeing people come to Christ. And I'm not saying we need to compromise the gospel. We don't. Um, but people need to know that they belong before that they believe, generally. Uh, and, uh, you know, and the wonderful thing I love about when people come to Christ, and I was just sharing last night with a group of friends, that, you know, the only t- there's two times that the whole of heaven stands to its feet. Uh, one of those times would be when the Lamb walks in, of course, the whole of heaven would stand. The other time, the second time that the whole of heaven would stand, is when one new person comes to know Jesus. How important is that? And, uh, you know, and I think if we take away the strategy, we take away, you know, the agendas about reaching our friends and we're just doing relationship with people, I think it, it just it flows a lot easier, a lot more natural if we can just be ourselves and just be courteous, kind, nice, generous, uh, to people, people just eventually find their way to church, and we don't put limits on it. Years ago, I grew up in Pentecostalism, of course. So you had to preach the gospel now. Right now, if you're not, you're compromising. You've got to do it as far, quick as you can. You've got to get them in church as fast as you can. The reality is, it's not the deal. The deal is that uh, we need to just be loving to people, nice, generous, courteous, hospitable, and people just want to be where you're at because that's what they want. And if you're that and birds of a feather want to flock together, and people will just come. And, uh, and of course, we've got to preach, we've got to share the gospel, that's important, it's the word of God, and it's the word of truth. But there's a right time for that. You've got to prepare the heart, and God prepares the heart um, before people come. So, you know, the, the fact is I love meeting people, and I would... Consider probably um, my life or my gift, I guess, uh, as being quite relational. My wife and I are quite relational as people, and I love connecting people together. Um, there's a couple in our church in Melbourne that uh, he's an actual, uh, he builds cafes, an entrepreneur in cafes, loves to build and sell cafes. And I've got another friend that does sort of similar outside the church. And I couldn't wait to connect these two guys together because I knew. Uh, my wife calls them heavenly relationships, that if, at times when you connect people together and they've the right spirit, they can build a friendship. And I've, I connected these guys together ages ago, maybe five or six years ago, and today uh, they're the best of friends, their wives are great friends, their kids are great friends. And I don't know about you, but when, when, when people connect together they, and there's something special about that where they can build and they can just, you know, look after one another. And, and the other thing too, in Melbourne, we've, most of you know, Hillsong's come to Melbourne, Edge has come to Melbourne, uh, and of course we've got the privilege of knowing both those leaders, Trish and I, and uh, we were able to connect um, the Douglases together with uh, the Childs, um, and, you know, and now they've become nothing that we've done really, we just connected them together, we went out for dinner one night, and now they've become great friends. Who knows, it's always wonderful when pastors can be friends like that, and connect like that, and even though they're building great churches in Melbourne... Um, it, it's just fantastic to know that, they, you know, that uh, they've got each other's back and we can do this thing together because who knows, there's really one body at the end of the day. And so I, I guess what I'm saying is I just love connecting people together. It's just fantastic. And we've got to be get, and do that a lot better, I think, at connecting people together. But having said that, I've also seen the pendulum swing the other way 
um, where relationships have been totally destroyed because of unforgiveness and hurt and pain. And, uh, you know, it's crazy to think, for me to think, what, um, what could have been a wonderful and incredible relationship um, if people had just got it together, but, you know, they've chosen to be offended and be hurt. And, uh, and what could have been something wonderful has turned out to be something so sour. What a tragedy that is. Um, because, you know, I just, I don't get it. I mean, I've been in the church for 30 years. I've been um, senior pastor in my church for 13 or 14, been full-time for 15 years. And, I, and, and I've been hurt and been offended, but I don't get where you just can't, can't get over that and deal with that and sort it out and get on with your life. I just, I don't understand. I do understand it. I want to be sensitive to that, but I don't get where you just can't just get over and get on with it. Um, but this morning, I'd like to just change the subject for a minute. And after being in the church for 30 years, uh, the Christian life has always really prided itself on words like vision, on words like um, passion, uh, words like purpose. Uh, we've prided ourselves on words like destiny. We hear it nearly, those words um, articulated nearly in most sermons that we hear. And yet, the very killer to all of these things can be found in one word, and that is the word or the attribute, the negative attribute of regret. Everyone say regret. regret. Turn to the person next to you and say regret. And I've titled my message, I Regret, this morning because it just seems to be that making people feel regretful has to be on the agenda of the enemy, on his to-do list. But you know, the wonderful thing I love about the Scriptures and the Bible, there's always these promises that kind of react that. And in Romans chapter 10 and verse 11, it'll be on screen, it says that no one who trusts like this, heart and soul, will ever regret it. And the wonderful thing I love about the Bible and the promises, there's always a premise before the promise. You know, the premise in this situation would be that the person who trusts God, heart and soul, would get the promise, will never ever regret it. So there's a premise before the promise. And one thing that I'm convinced of, and I want to just make this statement this morning, just at the offset of this message, and that is that unforgiveness stops future relationships. When you, for, un, you have unforgiveness for people, it stops and it puts a wedge between your relation, between our relationships. But, but, but when it comes to regret, regret is a little bit different. Regret doesn't stop relationships. Regret stops you. Regret stops, so let me just put it like this. Unforgiveness stops future relationships. Regret stops future destiny. And the reality is I think that's a, 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 an area or a subject that we need to really um, talk about in the church, and I want to just explain this for a moment, just a little bit more, uh, that when it comes to you and I not forgiving one another, that will always be a challenge because it simply kills relationships and our ability to have lasting relationships. There are people in my life that I haven't taken on the journey really um, all the way uh, because, you know, things have, have come against us and there's been challenges and problems and stuff, and I, you know, and that's been a challenge, but um, but if you know you have unforgiveness, that, that just won't happen. Good relationships don't, won't continue to keep um, forming because we've got to keep forgiving one another because we're always going to rub each other up the wrong way, right? 
And so we need to keep forgiving one another. But the truth is, I don't understand why people can't simply get over it, as I've already said. God loves us this morning. He loves you. He, he, uh, regardless of uh, what Tony was saying it this morning about that, the fact regardless of what happened yesterday, God still loves you and he's on your side. He wants to continue to encourage you. And, and he adores us this morning. But I can't stop thinking that at times, God just wants to smack us because of the way that we treat one another. Because it's not the way that God rolls. It's not the way the Spirit of God rolls. And, you know, married couples, even here today, we've been called to encourage one another and look after one another and support one another. And I thank God that we've just celebrated 25 years of marriage, my wife and I. And uh, we, we love the fact that we've, we're going the distance. We've still got so much more to do and go and we've learned along the journey. But I know we've got to continue to encourage one another and love one another. But you know, the reality is that you're not each other's possession. God has put your partner in your life on loan to you for you to look after, amen. And as husbands, you know, we don't own our wives. They're treasures to us. We're there to look after them and encourage them and build them. You know, one thing I've learned about women, and that is that you can give them this much in terms of your love and they'll give you that much back. It's just the way that God has created. And all the women said, Amen. It's true because that's just the way that God has created women. They just, they, they can love on. And you know, as, as, and I know that in my own life with my wife, I just give her this much and she'll give me so much more back. And I just love that. They're nurturing. But you know, forgiveness needs to happen for our physical health and especially our spiritual health. And the scripture in Colossians chapter 3 and 13 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any one of you have a grievance against someone else, forgive as a Lord forgave you. Now that's not a tick the box option. That's not just a suggestion. Ladies and gentlemen this morning, that's a command. Bear with each other and forgive one another as the Lord has forgiven you and I. It's a perfect principle when it comes to relationship building. And there's three types of people I think that you can't help. You know, um, a person that doesn't think that they've got a challenge or a problem in their life, you can't help that sort of person no matter what. A person, the other person you can't help is the person that thinks that you're the problem. You ever try to talk to someone and, you, and they're thinking, hang on, you're the problem and you're trying to talk, counsel me out of it, but you're the very problem. Well, you're my very problem, but they won't tell you that. And the third type, the third person that you can't help is the person that we're not, will, will not apply a biblical principle to a problem. Biblical principles are there for us to apply to our challenges and our issues so we can get on with our lives. Absolutely. So today, if you need to apply forgiveness, I would really encourage you this morning that you would do that. You go home, think about it, pray about it. We need to continue to keep rolling. We need to keep fresh. We need to keep open. And we don't want any wedges in our lives. We don't want any stumbling blocks in our lives. We want to continue to grow because growth will happen if we just deal with that. Nothing like, you know, um, going to bed and having all this stuff in our minds of, you know, how we want to get back at people and stuff. And it doesn't roll. I get it. I'm human. I'm in a human body. I understand, and we get negative at times, but you don't want to live that way. Yeah. Turn to the person and say, I do not want to live that way. Okay, so the foundation of unforgiveness is usually focused on somebody else, right? So when it comes to forgiveness, that's usually focused on someone else, as I've already mentioned. Someone else's fault. We like to do that at times because what we can do is we can actually shift the blame to somebody else. It's not my problem, it's their problem. They've done that to me, I won't forgive them. And so that's cool, I'm cool, I've got nothing on me, but you know what, they're the problem. And so we shift those things to other people. 
But the reality is we can hide behind that but still get on with our lives without too much sabotage because we're not taking the problem on, we're giving it to somebody else, right? And we can continue to keep going and keep smiling and keep coming to church, it's fine, they're the problem, not us. And we can continue to keep getting on with our life. So it definitely has the potential to stop relationships and our relationships, but unforgiveness doesn't necessarily have the ability to stop you as a person. But regret, on the other hand, is what I wanna focus on this morning because that can really mess you up. I've been in the ministry long enough to know that regret can really stop you and immobilize you from doing the very things that God has called you to do. Regret says, I can't believe I was so stupid that I went down that road. Unforgiveness says, I can't believe that they made me go down that road. Regret says, I can't believe I started that business without really understanding what I needed to do. Unforgiveness says, I can't believe they ripped me off. Regret says, I can't believe this is who I used to be and now I feel like a nobody. Unforgiveness says, I was going great until they tripped me up. You see the difference? Unforgiveness is out. Regret works on the inside on the inside of us. A regretful attitude will hurt you and stop you and eat at you from the inside out. And it works on you slowly and it works on you while you're sleeping at night, when you get up in the morning, when you're going down to the park, hanging out with your kids, when you're doing relationship, it works slowly on the inside. It's like a cancer that works on the inside of you because regret, 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 regret. What could have been, what should have happened. The expectation that wasn't reached, I just wish I could have, I should have. It never happened, I can't believe it, I'm never gonna get on with it again. Come on. And it starts to talk on the inside of us. And it starts to pull us back. Rather than being on the front the front line ready to go, we, we get pulled back and we get pushed back into the very place, into the very shadows that God doesn't want us to be in, but then we justify because it's so nice back here. It's not that nice back there. It's actually cold and ugly and dark. But we start to love it. Why? Because we just regret the things that should have happened, didn't happen. And you may be thinking here this morning, I'm glad because I don't live in regret. I don't live in the pain of the past. Pastor, that's cool for me. Okay, fair enough. Let me ask you a question. Then why have you stopped doing the very things you used to do? When you come into the church years ago, you were on fire, man. You're at the front. You were bouncing around. You had, you know, you were fainting like me, slaying yourself in the spirit because you were getting caught up in worship. But today, as time goes on slowly, I hope this is okay. But slowly as time goes on, we go from one row, the front row to the back row, without even realising why. Hey, you okay? I'm cool. But on the inside, we're dying slowly. We lost the bounce in our step. Why? Maybe, just maybe, a little bit of regret. Maybe a little bit of disappointment. Maybe the things that we thought was going to happen when we first came into the church hasn't happened and so we aren't getting what we needed to get. And so all of a sudden, it's not like it used to be. The church has changed. Don't you think, Bethel, the church has changed? It used to be so much different. Harry, it used to be so much different things. I don't know, something, I just can't tell what it is. It's just something. (laughs) Hey friend, church hasn't changed. You have. Because something on the inside is pulling you back. You know, I love 
when it comes to revelation. The word revelation, really, the word revelation comes from the word reveal, uh, from the English dictionary. And the word reveal uh, speaks of um, um, speaks of you know um, vis- uh, visible, seeing it. So when we have true revelation, it's not just a thought of what we've just received or what we've just heard, but it's become visible. Because the word reveal goes on to speak about the word revelation, and the word revelation is it's become visible. So when you get the revelation, you don't just think it or get the thought of it, you see it. You see it in your head. You see it in your mind. The revelation that these guys have got to run victory and to lead victory it's not just a thought, they've seen it. That's why it's, it is what it is. It's the revelation of that. We need to start to see things. Um, but let me just read this portion of scripture to you, just in Revelation chapter 2, when it comes about um, pulling back with regret. Um, it's, it's in Revelation chapter 2, and it's talking about the churches. Jesus was talking really to the different churches, but in this particular case, he's talking to the church in Ephesus. He says, I see what you've done, your hard hard work, your refusal to quit. I know you can't stomach evil and that you weed out apostolic pretenders. I know your persistence, your courage in my cause, that you never wear out. But you walked away from your first love. Why? Question mark. What's going on with you anyway? Question mark. Do you have an idea how far you've fallen? How do you get a church and a people that are flat out working hard, serving hard, doing everything that they could possibly do, go from, a, from being heroes to zero overnight. How does that happen? But somehow it does. I'm just wondering whether this regret is more powerful on the inside of people than we make out. That maybe that's the very seed on the inside that we really need to address, consider, think about, pray about, really talk about, get, get some mentorship over, get some people, get some, um, we need to start talking to some people about it. Uh, because if we don't, I seem to think that maybe we can be flat out working one day and all of a sudden we get this thought, regret comes up and before we know it, we pull back. Yeah. And that's okay to live here because, well, it is what it is. Is this okay? Yeah. I want to deal with this. I'm sorry, I maybe should have had another nicer message, but I just want to deal with this. Because I think that, you know, we, if we can build, if we can get on with things, if we can get on with things as individuals in our lives, because this is a deal. The deal is that God has created us to be who we are when we were created and we've heard this. God has busted the mould, which means you can only be you. And if you're not being you, we're missing out from you. We need you. I need you in my life. And when you pull back because you've got all this regret going on on the inside, I'm missing out from you. I need you. I need Tony and Kathy in my life. If I don't have them, guess what? I'm going to miss out. And I don't need Pastor Kath and Tony having regret in their lives. Why? Because I need them in my life. And I don't need you having regret in your life because I'm going to miss out from you and your friend's going to miss out from you because you've got all this regret and you're not as good as what you think you are and you feel incompetent and you feel like it's not happening and I can't minister anymore and who wants to listen to me? Hey, God has created you to be you and only you can do what you can do. And we need you. We need you. And yet we're all individuals, but you know what? God died for every one of us for a specific reason, a specific purpose, to do a specific job in the body of Christ. Amen. Fantastic. Turn to the person and say, God has called you.
totally. <laughs> and Giuseppe's laying it out now. And the thought, I rebuke you. And the thought is I used to have this type of influence and I used to be this type of achiever and my marriage used to be like this and it used to encourage people and everyone used to talk about me when I first came in. But it feels like I've gone from this hero to zero overnight and I don't even know what I've done. And we begin to live our future through our past. Then we start talking about the good old days. You should have seen me. You should have seen how, how high I could have my leg in the old days. Now I can't even raise my leg to save my life. But, you see, because regret keeps us looking in the rear vision mirror and we forget we've got this big windscreen in front of us. Right? Keep looking back. We've got this whole future in front of us. The regret will destroy your future because it keeps us feeling sorry for ourselves. That's not what God has called us to do. That is not cool. Thinking of your past and what you, what you could have done and should have done and it didn't happen, so your life's over. That is so not true. Man, I walked into this church and I mean, I can't think of her, I can't remember her name, but she's 101 years of age. Are you kidding me? And I walked in and she's had a smile from here to here, ready to just, I don't know, jump through loops and leap over walls and Amazing. Now, there's one lady that definitely doesn't live in regret, hey? What is her name? Irene. I don't know where you are, but you know what? You, you're a treasure. Where are you down there? You're a treasure. Young lady, you're a treasure. Absolutely, 101 years young, hey? See, the truth is that God was never building your influence. Get the revelation of this. God was never really building your fame or your fortune. God was never really building your title. The only thing that God was ever building and going to continue to do is you. You. That's what God's doing. He's building you. He's not building what you can become. He's building who you are on the inside or what title you, you, you take. Not what you are becoming, but your title. He's building you. For he turns all things around. For those who love him are called according to his purposes. And we preach that in the church and we, we share that scripture. Don't worry, it's all cool. God will turn it all around because God's in control and he'll make something negative, good and beauty for ashes, you know. And we say all that, but that's the deal, that's the truth. All I ever wanted to do was plant a church years and years ago. I finished Bible college and then 12 years after Bible college, in the direction that I was going in my life, it looked like I was going so far away from the vision that God had given me. I went to Bible college because I wanted to plant a church, right? That's why I went to Bible college because I really wanted to get into it. I wanted to know the scriptures. I wanted to get to know about myself. And I figured, you know, this is how it's going to work. All the ducks in a line. You go to Bible college and after Bible college, you plant a church and then you build a big church and it's fantastic. Why pick a fence? The whole scenario, it's great. But then 12 years later, I'm still not building no church. In fact, what happened was I ended up becoming a partner with my father in the building company. I'm thinking, what's wrong with this picture? It's not what I wanted. And you know, I would cry myself, this is true. I'm saying the truth now, I'm not preaching, okay? (laughs) 
So I'd lay in my bed most nights just crying, thinking, what am I doing? It's like, like six or seven years in. I'm thinking, it's not where I wanted to go. I wanted to build a church. God, you called me to build a church. God, I've been a Christian forever, and that's why I know I heard that. I heard you, right? I heard you. You want to be a builder church, right? That's what you spoke to my wife and I about, right? Is that right? I couldn't hear anything. Because I was just listening to the voice that I wanted to hear. And I wasn't, just wasn't connecting. And so 12 years later, as time went on, we built the church, and we planted a church, and things were great. But during that time... What I didn't realize is that I, never, I, ha, I, had, I didn't have a really good relationship with my father. Um, typical Italian father-son um, scenario where, you know, we'd wake up in the mornings and we wouldn't say hi to each other, we just grunted each other. <laughs> sort of like, <clears throat> like, that was it, that was like, hello, how are you? <laughs> just the Italian sort of mafioso grunt, you know, and we'd both stand in front of the kitchen and uh, we had this nice window that overlooked, you know, our park and we'd both look at each other like this. Short black in hand, stare at each other and just sip. And just grunt. And that was sort of like our relationship for a long time. Anyway, through that whole process of 12 years, one thing that I'd learned at the end of that was that that relationship that wasn't such a good relationship had been restored. I didn't even realise what was happening. My father, my brother-in-law is my best friend and he comes and travels with me and I love him so much but my father is truly my best friend and through those years he wasn't my best friend and get this for a moment I was about to plant a church and lead people but have no relationship with my dad in fact I think I hated him but God knew see my mind was the church building the church planting the church going to Bible college because I had to do the church God's mind was, ah, you're restoring relationship because when you have got restoration with your dad, you're going to minister so much more deeper to people's lives. And I just wonder, I just wonder that maybe you're in a position, you're, so let's just bring it back to you guys. I've been talking about me for the last five minutes. Maybe you're thinking, hey, God, have you forgotten me? Hey, God never forgets. Here's the other thing. God's always on time. But you might have that specific thing in mind. Well, God's got that specific mind on too. But you know what? We've got to go through the process. Everyone say process. There's got to be process, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, brothers and sisters, sorry, I'm in church. There's got to be process. Without process, we don't get bigger, we don't get stronger. And then we wonder why... I'm sorry, it's been a little bit negative. Why I've been a district leader of the AOG of about 55 churches for about 10 years and I've get the opportunity to get around, not any longer, but I was doing that for the last seven or eight years. And then we wonder why churches are breaking up, splitting up, wrecking, you know, young people that are leading churches are disappearing and there's no, you know, persistence in it and no, there's no longevity in it. Why? Because maybe it was never, yet yeah, they were called, but it just wasn't the right timing and we planted these churches before the right time. Let's plant churches. Let's do all that. That's fantastic. Absolutely, we need to do that. We need to reach the whole world and let's preach the gospel and do what we need to do. But you know what? It's got to be in God's timing. Because if it's in God's timing, it will work. Because what God keeps, he will keep. For the, what God calls, he will keep. 
And when God releases, he will keep all the way through. Is that, is that, can I hear an amen in that? And so in your life, maybe there's some stuff going on. You think, well, you know what? It just seems like I get, I'm pushed to the side. You know, God never pushes anyone to the side. God's got your number. He knows. You've just got to continue to turn your face to him. You've got to keep looking to him and hearing his voice and not hearing what you want to hear, but hearing what needs to be told you by God. Is this okay? Romans chapter 5 and 4 says, Through suffering comes perseverance. And I looked up suffering in the dictionary. Suffering, according to dictionary, is pain and loss or a place of uncomfort, very unhappy. Regret. Which brings perseverance. Through perseverance comes your character. Then through your character, then uh, your character produces hope. Can I hear an amen? See, where there's no clarity... We have to continue to trust God's sovereignty in our lives. And you might be able to see that. I heard that just this other day. If, if you can't see it, that's okay. God's got it. God's got, he, he understands that. So we need to get the revelation of this. We need to understand this. Okay. So in the Message Bible, and I'll sort of come to a conclusion, but in the Message Bible, uh, Jesus was speaking to his disciples, and he says in Luke 18, verse 29 and 30, Yes, said Jesus, and you won't regret it in the Message Bible. You won't regret it. No one who has sacrificed home, spouse, brothers or sisters, parents, children will ever lose out. That's a promise to you and I. No one. You won't regret it. No one who has sacrificed all of these things will ever regret it. It will come back to you multiplied many times over in this lifetime. And then the bonus of all that is eternal life. See, it was just a season in our life. And I want to just give you three quick thoughts as we just come to a conclusion. Um, the reality is, number one, missed but never lost. Regardless of what you feel has been sacrificed in your life or in, your op- in the opportunity, providing you give it to God, that you'll never have regret attached to that. Because whatever you've given over, whatever you've done for the church, whatever you've done for people, whatever you've done in ministry, doesn't matter. You won't regret it. Why? Because it's not about you. It's about what you feel God has called you to. So providing you, you put kingdom to it, you'll never have regret attached to that. Because at times we come in the church and we serve the church and we do what we need to do. But what about serving Jesus? What about serving the Lord? What about serving the, core, the person that called you and saved you? We forget along the way because we're busy doing what we do and we see what everyone's doing and we want to do what everyone's doing, but the reality is God has called you to do what you, only you can do. And we need to continue to focus on that. We'll never have regret attached to that. Just that if you have sacrifice for kingdom purpose, that'll never be lost. It'll never be lost. It'll always come back to you. And I'm claiming that promise for you and I, that providing we continue to um, have all the things that we're doing in the life of the church, in our families, in our home, in our businesses, and we continue to attach the kingdom of God to it, that, you know what, that we'll never have a regretful attitude, but we'll always have an attitude of, you know, praising God and trusting God in the future, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You know, a mentor once taught me years ago that a good attitude will always attract a great outcome. And isn't that true? It's all about our attitudes in our life. The second thing, multiplication is the kingdom principle. Sacrifices that have been made with a kingdom heart will always have the spirit of multiplication attached to it. But lasting fruit, not just fruit that'll last a week, but fruit that'll last forever. Why? Because we've attached the spirit of God to it. And there's always a spirit of multiplication if it's done right with the right spirit and the right heart. And it'll always come back, no matter what you've sacrificed in your life, it'll always come back. You know, years and years ago, when Trish and I went to Bible college, my wife Trish, hey, by the way, you're going to love her. 
You got a cabin listed. I mean, she just gives away so many clothes. And all the women said, she, she's got a clothing store. She goes, you know what? If I, was a bake, if I had a bakery, I'd give away scones. I don't know, but I, I've got a clothing store. So she's like, but it's not about her giving away the clothes, by the way. Um, it's not about her giving away clothes. It's about when she does, there's, there was a prophecy attached to it. And she always says that beauty within speaks louder than words. And she just loves womanhood. And you're, you're going to be blessed. And uh, we feel so honoured that um, Pastor Kath would have her. But um, you're going to really love that. But come out. But I was just saying that Trish and I, we went to Bible college. Um, all of our friends were all in business and they were building homes. And, um, you know, they were sort of, it seemed like they were getting on with their lives uh, in terms of, you know, building wealth and building friendships. And, but Trish and I were, were a part of maybe five or six other couples that didn't hear the voice of God to go to Bible college. So Trish and I went to Bible college because we heard the voice of God say, you need to go to Bible college because, you know, we wanna, we, I want to use you. And so we did that. But all of our other friends couldn't understand it. They think, what are you doing, dude? Like, I had a bit, a, spirit, a bit of business on the inside of me and I was a little bit strategic with all that stuff and um, worked with my dad a little bit and I understood, you know, building and developing and I could have done really well. That's from, the, from their point of view. But, you know, on the, when, when God speaks, he speaks, yeah? And uh, we just had to do what we had to do. And we, and unfortunately... They were still our friends, but we just couldn't roll together as much as we would have loved to because we just didn't have $100 to drop every time we went to a restaurant. Because the restaurants they went to, we just couldn't afford to do that. So, because we had to cut our, you know, cloth to, or our pattern to suit our cloth, and we had to sort of come back. And a good night for us was down at the movies with the Suvlaki. That's cool. You have Suvlaki? Do you have Suvlaki's here? Yeah, kebabs. So, that was a good, Euros. All right, Euros. So, so a good night for us was going to the movies with the Euros, and that was cool. But to them, you know, it had to be a three-course meal down at the Crown or whatever it was. And so we couldn't roll together, but we still loved them and, and got on with it. But anyway, uh, as an Italian, let me make a short story really long. Um, what happened was we, um, yeah, so they continued to do that. But the reality for us, for Trish and I, we were called, we were called to Bible college, called to do the things that we were called to do. We, uh, got, we ended up going into um, the west of Melbourne and, and building a small church on behalf of this ministry that and the church we were under. Actually, we were still in Bible college, and so we, at second year through Bible college, we had to go and do something practical, so we started the Connect Group, and that sort of grew, and, uh, which was great. We were having a great time, and we saw lots of people saved, and lots of people come to Christ, etc., etc. But then, as the years went on, um, I said to Trish, look, the kid's are getting a little bit older and it'd be nice if we could, because we'd already, we'd already moved into like five or six different homes, just getting around, as a true disciple does, you know, it goes from house to house. Um, not really, but in those days, that was a really cool thing to do, just to keep moving from home to home. Um, and so we, I said to Trish, look, the kids are getting a little bit older, we're getting a little bit older, maybe it's time that we maybe buy a house if we can, we don't have a deposit, but maybe I can go back to work, ask Dad um, to go back and join Dad for a while, and maybe he can give me some money, and I'll continue to work for the church, because the church wasn't giving me uh, that much back then, and not that they're giving me that much back, back now, or now, but it wasn't much back then, and so, um, so she goes, okay, well, let's do that, so uh, I said to Dad, Dad, can I come and join you, and he was freak, freaking out, because he's thinking, man, I've been uh, asking you to come and join me for the last 20 years, and you've been chasing this Jesus character around the place, <laughs> and now I'm about to retire, and now you want to join me, like, what is with that, you know, and I said, just a couple of years, I promise. Just a couple, that couple of years, by the way, lasted 15 years, and we built a, a multi-million dollar um, building company. Uh, and uh, that's another story right there, just get, trying to get out of that, back to what I felt was called to do. But in the meantime, we bought this little house, and we renovated this little place. Um, and I'm not, I'm not saying this to boast, I'm just saying that God's always got your back. 
that even although that we didn't spend that time with all our friends building their equity and building their homes and, and building wealth and getting all this money in the bank and what, what, what you know, young couples need to be doing these days, apparently. So we weren't doing that. We were just getting on and serving God because that's what God called us to do. But when we bought this little place, we renovated it, right? We put a double story. It was double story. And then we decided to sell it after five years. Let me just say to you that what we sold it for, we... we and, the money that we, just hear my heart on this, I'm not trying to boast, I'm saying the money that we made from that sale, it was like as if we weren't actually serving the church, that we were with our friends. So we'd end up with the same asset base. We served the church, we served the Lord, we did what we did, and in the end of it, after 14 years, we ended up with the same asset base that our friends had, not doing what we did. God's no man's debtor, right? God's got your back. If he's called you, he'll provide. So don't worry about that. God is sovereign. So when there's no clarity, God is still sovereign. And uh, that's what. I, and then the third one, and if I maybe have the team up, and just as I come to a conclusion, uh, we, we've got to live our lives with eternity in mind. The Bible says to live with purpose. And when we live out of our lives out of it, with eternity in mind, regret, never sticks to that, never attaches itself to that because it becomes about what God wants us to do and it all becomes about the kingdom of God, not about us necessarily. And I'm getting really challenged and the word perplexed, that's an old word, but really stretched because as I continue to minister in our own church at Life in New Zealand and back at home and, and, and spending more time with Pastor Paul and Marie and doing the very wonderful things that God has called them to do and being in, on their team, I'm seeing it more and more and more that we've got so many wonderful, beautiful people like yourselves in a place like this. But there's too many stories of people that have been hurt and disappointed and upset and didn't get their way. And guys, I, I mean, we need, we need you. Your friends need you. Our neighbours need us. Can we just stand? Can we just stand right now? Our neighbours need us. Our friends need us. They don't get it, right? When we're getting a little bit hurt and locked up in the church because this happened and that happened, that shouldn't have happened, then we get that. I, that shouldn't have happened, yeah. And, and at times, and I've made numerous mistakes even as a senior pastor in church and I, I haven't led some things right. But, and I look at the heart of Tony and Kath here and I, I know them, you know, they're my friends. I mean, they come to my place, hang on my couch and we just hang together and talk stuff through. And I love these guys and they are so real as people. And, and, uh, and we, we don't always get it right, but neither do you. Leaders don't always get it right, but neither do we. We've got to get over that and get sort that out. And we've got to go to the Lord and say, God, do I have a little bit of regret on the inside of me? I don't know. I don't know every person here. You don't know the person on your left and your right. You don't know their lives. You don't know their thought patterns. You don't know. We don't know what you thought about last night. One thing is true, the thing that you are constantly thinking about every single day, the thing that constantly goes through your mind every single day, just readdress that and find out what that is. Because it might be that very thing that you're thinking about that's holding you back from your destiny and where God wants you to be. 
I'm an evangelist at heart and I love, I'm relational, I think, and I love connecting with people, I love hanging out with people. And when I walk into a room, and this is true, I don't see the person that I can win to Jesus. You know what I see? People. People. No strategy to it. No motive to it. No, oh, I'll get a connect here. There's some people I can win to Jesus. Awesome. We end up stuffing it up anyway. As, as ministers, we get up on the stage every week and we say, it's not about religion. It's about relationship. It's not about religion, it's about relationship. Here's a thought. Ever wondered who made it about religion to begin with? Wasn't the unchurched? Wasn't the atheist? Who made it about religion to begin with? Maybe we made it about religion to begin with. Because we were doing things and trying to win people out of this, got to preach the gospel now. And unintentionally, we end up hurting people and bringing religion to them and saying all the things they couldn't do. And now they're wondering, they don't want to go to church because we've had that experience. Truth is, it's got to be about relationship. God wants you, He loves you. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen and God bless.